Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Ron Wolfley, I have a question. Are you familiar with the NFL name Sonny Weaver Jr.? Yes. You are! Yes. He's a scout, isn't he? Someone. Sonny Weaver Jr. is the fictional character Kevin Costner played in the Draft Day movie 2014. (laughs) He was the GM, Sonny Weaver Jr., that's why I know it, Paulie. There you go. I was right about it, but okay. it's make-believe, I guess, You're, technically. Uh, you've already defied the critics, Wolf. You actually had somewhat of a knowledge or notion of who Sonny Weaver <laughs> Jr. was, is he had a saying in the movie, and the quote went something like this, okay? Sonny Weaver Jr. in that movie liked to say, the great ones always find a way to slow things down. He liked to say that in the war room. And I throw that out there because not only are we getting close to the NFL draft, but I I am here to say that I do believe over the next 10 days, two weeks, there will be change, a lot of change, at lightning pace at times. And so the great ones find a way to slow things down, not unlike Joe Montana in the clutch with a Super Bowl on the line, and make those sort of decisions, those sort of game-breaking plays. Patrick Mahomes in this last Super Bowl just a couple of months ago here in the AZ. So who can slow things down and make those money decisions in the clutch when, oh, I don't know, you're on the clock or you got to figure out if you want to make a franchise-changing trade? It is all part of our discussion here tonight on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Well, Polly, I would say this, that the great ones know how to mess things up. Okay, I mean, mess things up in terms of what is it you think we're going to do? What What is it you think we're going to do? You think we're going to do this? <laughs> we're going to do the exact opposite. This is, this is right now the height of draft subterfuge. I've been talking about it for a couple of weeks, but this is it right now. There is misinformation and there is disinformation. And disinformation is the wanton, willful desire to mislead. Polly, do you think there are general managers that are out there right now that are trying to mislead other GMs as to what they're going to do? Are you seeing the Houston Texans, for example, have Davis Mills and Kyle Allen as their two quarterbacks right now? They have the number two <laughs> pick overall, and we're supposed to believe they're not going quarterback at number two. Is, ding, ding, ding. I yes. think we have a winner. Okay, so there's an example, and we're going to get into all this. A couple of headlines from today. Here we go, Wolf. According to the insiders, guess who has been visiting the Cardinals today? Nolan Smith, Georgia linebacker. With the ridiculous athleticism, 6'2", 238, the guy who ran the 4'3", 40 at the Combine, 
Nolan Smith has reportedly been visiting with the Cardinals today. Will Anderson has been visiting with the Seahawks. C.J. Stroud has been visiting with Atlanta. If C.J. Stroud is still on the board at number three, do you think Atlanta might trade up with the Cardinals at number three? (laughs) Oh, Paulie, I think anything is possible. Are you kidding me right now? Yes, I could see the Atlanta Falcons looking at a C.J. Stroud and just drooling all over the place. Once again, there's a couple of scenarios, and I know we're going to talk about this in more detail, so I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole right now. But yes, to answer your question, I could see Atlanta being all over three. Anthony Richardson visiting Baltimore. Really? Hmm. (laughs) They've yet to get a deal done with Lamar Jackson, obviously. So that's intriguing. Speaking of Baltimore, we're going to hear it for ourselves a little bit later, but Pac-Man Jones, the latest NFL insider to rival Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter, has news that there is a, quote, strong possibility that D-Hop might go to Baltimore. (laughs) Von Miller also has had something to say about D-Hop. We'll get into that a little bit later. And then we got news this afternoon that the Niners have been in trade discussions with other teams around the league regarding Trey Lance because Brock Purdy apparently is the future with the San Francisco 49ers and they are more than willing to engage trade talks on Trey Lance, Ron Wolfley. Oh, my goodness, Paulie, can you imagine that right now? I feel so bad for Trey Lance. It wasn't his fault that the San Francisco 49ers moved up to number three and actually gave up three number one picks to do that, Paul. It wasn't Trey Lance's fault that the 49ers and John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan loved him so much that they gave up three number ones to move up. But, man, Paul, that may go down as one of the worst trades in the history of the National Football League. No doubt. And now there's all the news and noise out there about whether the Cardinals might somehow truly consider trading away Buda Baker after Buda Baker made it known that, guess what, he either wants a new deal and or he wants out. Is that a possibility? Here's Ian Rappaport on the Pat McAfee Show recently. I learned about the trade request over the last several days but this has quietly been a reality for Arizona for much longer. Really? Um, he wants a new deal. And I do not believe the Cardinals want to trade him. Like, we don't plan to trade you. We want to keep you. And, like, he is, like, he is the heartbeat of that defense. That's the guy you want to build around. You know, you don't want to use a second-round pick to replace him. You want to build with him. So we'll see what happens. But I don't believe they want to trade him at all and he is the heartbeat of that defense he is the heartbeat of the locker room everyone saw that for themselves hard knocks this year nfl films documented that behind the scenes here's the reality he has no guaranteed money left on his deal ron wolfley buda baker is due 13 million this year 14 million next year Uh, obviously he's handsomely paid but he's the seventh highest paid safety in the league and how many safeties can you say in this league are better than buda baker maybe derwin james Minka Fitzpatrick, I mean, you can count on one hand how many guys are in Buddha's class. Boy, this is this is really a tough situation right now, Paulie. Because if you're the Arizona Cardinals, you're not going to trade Buddha Baker. You're you're not going to trade him. This guy is a walking, talking model of what JG wants inside that locker room. I don't see them trading him. Yet at the same time, I'm willing to admit, you've got Buddha Baker saying that he wants to be traded. He wants a new contract or he wants to be traded. 
one of the two. And just how resolute is Buda Baker when it comes to that saying? Just how resolute is he, Paul? He has the same agent as Derwin James. Derwin James missed the first three weeks of Chargers camp last year. A holdout slash hold in and then got a record-breaking deal that averages about $19 million per year. So I don't know if that's a potential game plan. Here's what I do know is the decision-makers of the Cardinals truly value Buda Baker, and here's what Monty Ford had to say about Buda at his introductory press conference. I was with the Patriots at the time, and Buda came in. We interviewed Buda at the Combine for our, our 20-minute interview. After the end of that 20-minute interview, uh, I think I was ready to run through a brick wall for Buda Baker. And Buda Baker represents everything that we want this organization to be, and I am excited to be on a team with him. Here's the question. Does he want a new deal or does he want out? Yeah. I'm inclined to think he wants a new deal, that he wants to be paid close to a Derwin James, which is a big ask. $19 million per year, that's big money. Not as if he isn't already getting paid significant money. 13 this year, 14 next year. Does he want some of that guaranteed somehow, some way? I'll just put it this way. There have been plenty of other Cardinals who have requested a trade in their Cardinal careers, and they were not accommodated, whether it was Patrick Peterson, Chandler Jones recently, Jordan Hicks played that final year after requesting a trade, Andy Isabella, and then Wolf, we've been around long enough to remember Anquan Bolden. Yeah. So there is precedent of star players who want a deal, but guess what? They're considered too vital to the operation, and at least not immediately or imminently, uh, a deal is not going to be entertained by the front office. Right. And, you know, even though um, Kyler Murray never asked to be traded, he did say, hey, listen, you know what? I want a brand new deal. And the Arizona Cardinals didn't have to give him a new deal. Can I just say this? You've got a new regime in with Monty Ford, Paulie. You've got a new regime with Monty Ford and Jonathan Gannon, of course. And that means to me you've got a new opportunity to lay down a new set of rules that says we're going to be an organization that when we sign you to a long-term contract, don't come back in – two years into that long-term contract, maybe even three years into that long-term contract, and say that you're underpaid. This is something that the Pittsburgh Steelers do and have done with their best players, as a matter of fact. They set precedents of saying, we're not going to do it. We're not going to renegotiate a contract with you once we sign you to a five-, six-year contract. They did it with Antonio Brown. And they did it with Love Bell. Would you say, Paulie, those two guys right there are good football or were good yeah. football players? Yeah. All pro caliber players oh. in their prime, yes. Some of the most talented players in their prime. And the Pittsburgh Steelers just let their guys know, look at once you sign this this long-term contract and we give you guaranteed money up front because you're signing that fourth and fifth year contract because you're doing that and we're giving you more guaranteed money up front don't come back in three years or two years and say you're underpaid maybe the last year of your contract we'll start talking about an extension but not when you've got two or three years left on that contract and i think Monty Fort and Jonathan Gannon and Michael Bidwell and the organization, they have a opportunity to set that precedent right here. The problem is it may cost them maybe the most popular player in the history of the Arizona Cardinals. 
And I get it to a degree. Jesse Bates just went from Cincinnati to Atlanta, and he's averaging $16 million per year. Jesse Bates ain't no Buda Baker. I get it. Over the last four or five years, Buda Baker's the leading tackler among all safeties, and it's not even close. Buda Baker, who in a blowout playoff loss, had to be carted off the field in the fourth quarter. That's how hard he was playing, how he played through that high ankle sprain. Buda Baker, who finished a game with a busted shoulder blade this year, right? So I get the sort of player he is, what he means to the team. He knows his value. So he's in his prime at age 27. That's the way a business of football tends to work. Hey, Paulie, I'm just saying right now, you know I am for the player. But having said that, listen, you've got to set a precedent as well if you're an organization. All right, we'll talk draft when we come back. Who is it going to be at number three and beyond? It's the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Takes a shot back. a bigger, longer corner who can do much. Why they are continuing to test him is beyond me. Right side and it's picked off again. It's Christian Gonzalez with his second interception this quarter. Find out where zero is and go the other way. Got away. He has the size, he has the speed, he has the production and the pedigree playing at Oregon. Six foot one and a half, 197 pound Christian Gonzalez, the 4-3-8-40. And he might be the first corner off the board. Could he be an Arizona Cardinal? By the end of next weekend, think about the possibility. Christian Gonzalez, could he go to the Cardinals if they trade down to seven with the Raiders? Could he go to the Cardinals if they trade down, oh, I don't know, with Atlanta at eight? Could he be a member of the Cardinals if they trade with Tennessee at 11? Or could he actually go to the Cardinals at number three overall? Maybe now I have your attention, Ron Wolfley on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi. And this report out there, Michael Lombardi, longtime NFL front office man. You're familiar with Michael Lombardi, former GM. He's on with Pat McAfee this past week, and he says he does not believe that Houston will draft C.J. Stroud. This narrative is gathering steam, Ron Wolfley. In fact, he went on to say, Michael Lombardi, I'm quoting, I think teams are now starting to accept that Stroud is not going number two. So if Stroud doesn't go two, Will Anderson goes two. And if for some reason teams have cooled on C.J. Stroud overall, maybe the Cardinals don't get that blockbuster trade offer at three. And if Will Anderson is off the board, and I consider this a worst-case scenario for the Arizona Cardinals, Wolf, so we'll start here and we'll work our way in reverse order, but what do you do if you're Monty Ford in that situation? You're sitting at three, and Will Anderson has already been taken a pick before by Houston. That's a great question right there, Polly. But um, can I just say right now that I'll believe all this draft subterfuge when it actually happens. Michael Lombardi, he was Bill Belichick's right-hand man, as a matter of fact, when I was there in Cleveland in 1992 and 93. And somebody's feeding him that information. Somebody is. He might even be repeating that information to help a buddy in the industry. You know what I mean, oh, Well, Pauly? let's see. Nick Casario, the tech. Texans GM, where did he work before that? In New England. 
Hello. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, Paulie. So you never know about this stuff, whether it's true or not. I, I, I'll believe it when I actually see it, that C.J. Stroud suddenly is not coveted by some of these quarterback-needy teams. I believe that they that he is. I believe there is still an awful lot of interest in C.J. Stroud. I don't know. Maybe the Houston Texans love themselves A little Bryce Young, maybe that is true, and because of that, they love Bryce Young, but they're not crazy about C.J. Stroud, so if the Panthers are going to take Bryce Young, number one, maybe they're letting people know that pick is going to be for sale. If you give us a blockbuster deal right there, we'll trade out of there, or we'll just take Will Anderson. That, to me, is not the worst thing that could happen to the Arizona Cardinals. It isn't, Paulie. I'd love to see the Cardinals get Will Anderson at number three, but if they had to trade out of that spot, they're going to get a truckload from somebody, somebody not named the Indianapolis Colts. They're going to get an awful lot, and because of that, it might not be the worst thing to happen to them. By the way, Bryce Young, he canceled all visits after meeting with Carolina and Houston. So Bryce Young obviously not getting past number two and most likely going number one based on all the reports from the likes of an Adam Schefter, who, by the way, this week on NFL Live, he commented on the possibility of Houston potentially passing on quarterback. What if the run on quarterbacks gets a little bit delayed? What if it's a little bit later to start? than people thought. We've been hearing about quarterbacks going one, two, three, four. That's not going to happen, I don't believe. And we've seen Carolina make the move up right away, right away for a quarterback at one. But we haven't seen anybody trade up to two when Houston's open to listening. We haven't seen anybody trade up to number three because you know what? I think Indianapolis thinks there's a real chance right now that they could sit right where they are at four and get potentially the second quarterback in this draft. Or or, or they could get the fourth quarterback in the draft. So are they willing to take that chance? We're talking about right. an Indianapolis Colts team that has started a different quarterback each of the last seven season openers. Let that wash over you if you're GM Chris Ballard and the owner Jim Irsay, who's been openly tweeting, by the way, about getting a franchise quarterback in this draft. The thing is, are you going to get the guy that you truly covet and you're telling me that a C.J. Stroud, for example, there's a lot being made of the fact that C.J. Stroud apparently has the same agent as Deshaun Watson. And because there's <laughs> scorched earth between Houston ownership and management and the agent for Deshaun Watson for obvious reasons, then that might be a deal breaker with C.J. Stroud. Now, I'm not buying that whatsoever. Houston has done a heck of a job, though, of getting this narrative out there and making people bite on it and report yeah. it. And, and maybe speak it into existence so somebody makes them an offer at number two. I'm not sure exactly what their objective is. I do know that my, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay, they just in the last 48 hours combined on a mock draft, and they had mm. Bryce Young going one, C.J. Stroud two, and then Will Anderson three to the Cardinals with Anthony Richardson going four to Indy because of thinking is Shane Steichen, he went and worked with Jalen Hurts. So he's going <laughs> to go with an Anthony Richardson to develop him with the Colts. Man, I love all this, Paulie. This is uh, this is what it's all about. This is the the best time of year if you love being an armchair general manager right now and you're talking about draft subterfuge and the Houston Texans. Listen, if if the Texans wanted Bryce Young, and I believe this is the case, 
the Texans really love Bryce Young. They, they really like C.J. Stroud, but they really loved Bryce Young. They were, they were confident in him and totally committed that he was going to be the guy. He was going to develop. There were a lot of intangibles that Bryce Young brings to the quarterback position, intangibles like smarts and an innate feel instinct for the game at the quarterback position they're they're so rare to find guys like that i believe they loved they love bryce young and now they know bryce young is going to be going to the carolina panthers i don't think it's a coincidence we're starting to hear this this story now that hey maybe that pick isn't going to be cj stroud maybe they're going to put that pick up for sale and that's exactly what they have done and if you just like C.J. Stroud, like him a lot, but just like him, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you hang the for sale sign to see if you might be the team that actually gets a truckload? Instead of loving C.J. Stroud, you just like him. I think that's a real possibility as to what happened here, Paul. And that's one of the reasons why the reports were that Lovey Smith was fired immediately when he came off the field week 18, winning that final game with a two-point conversion and costing them the number one pick overall. That Lovey Smith was unceremoniously canned right away because they wanted themselves some Bryce Young and now most likely will not end up with that. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Wolf. Most of these mock drafts still have Jalen Carter going to the Seahawks. So if so, the Cardinals will be looking to the possibility of going against Aaron Donald twice a year. Nick Bosa, now Javon Hargrave twice a year, and Jalen Carter twice a year. If for some reason Will Anderson is gone and the Cardinals are sitting there at three, do the Cardinals entertain taking Jalen Carter out of Georgia? Oh, boy, that is a great question, Paul. They um, need defensive line help, something fierce. <laughs> Paul, are you, okay, I'll ask you, Paul, since you've got a strong opinion on this. What do you think? Because I don't think they're going to touch Jalen Carter at number three. What do you think? Does the D&D line stand for dire need? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but, no, I agree. There, there's, too much, there's too much being put into the culture right now and the rebuild from that perspective there's too many off the field headlines over the last year and a half I don't think you can risk a Jalen Carter especially for a team that just recently experienced Robert Kimdichie yeah. who, who was also arguably the most talented player in that draft pound for pound yes and was a massive flame out and and I also think that Seattle learned that the hard way Robert Kimdichie was with the Seahawks for a short cup of coffee and they also once upon a time drafted Malik McDowell out of Michigan State really high so I'm very curious whether John Schneider and Pete Carroll, whether they have an appetite for a Jalen Carter in their camp. Yeah, no, you know what, Polly, I think you're right about that. I, I think Seattle, I could see them doing that. But for me right now, I don't see that being a possibility for Monty Ossenford. I think he's looking for something a little bit more concrete. And that's why Will Anderson, to me, at number three, is still the front runner. And if the worst-case scenario happens where the Cardinals sit there at number three and they don't get what they want and they got to take Will Anderson, I'm sold on that. Now, if you believe some of the rumors that Houston might actually take Will Anderson – Instead of drafting C.J. Stroud or trading that pick, they might just go ahead and draft Will Anderson at number two. I think that really kind of clears the picture up for Monty Ossenford in regard to what he's going to do. And I think what he would do is trade down in that situation and maybe just gather a, a bevy of picks that would be impossible to turn down. 
By the way, Will Anderson update desk. He was on Good Morning Football this week. Said he had a top 30 visit recently with Houston and D'Amico Ryans. Uh, He was asked about the narrative that he's the safe pick. That if you want upside in this draft at his position, you go Tyree Wilson. Or if you want a game wrecker on the defensive line, you go Jalen Carter. And his answer was, I'm not the safe pick. I'm the right pick. <laughs> so let that hang out there. A he little is bit. ball too. Oh my goodness! I just love that guy for the tangibles, of course, on the field in between the white lines, but also the intangibles that he brings. The fact that I think he's going to be a transcendent player that makes his teammates around him better. Once again, Will Anderson visiting the Seahawks today. Reportedly, the Cardinals had in Nolan Smith on one of their top thirty visits. So there's that, and then C.J. Stroud visiting. Atlanta. You know, Atlanta's been too quiet in this thing. You can't tell me that they're not thinking quarterback, and maybe they come up with the Cardinals. We'll see. Check out the latest episodes of the Dave Pash Podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at PashPod. Monty Austin Fort's first draft as GM. That is next on the Big Red Rage. Monty. I'm like, Monty, what you doing with that pick? What you doing with that pick? He's like, you know what I'm doing with that pick. I, I don't know what you're doing with that pick. But a lot of flexibility, I think, that we have with that because of where we're at. And uh, I know he's got all the different options, how he wants to do things and what we're looking to get out of the certain options if he chooses to move out of it. There you go. Jonathan Gannon last month in the media. So let's focus on the middle of that soundbite where he's impersonating Monty Asenfort, who supposedly retorts to JG, you know what I'm doing with that pick. Really? Has it already been decided? Has it already been dealt? Hmm. Yeah, Polly. Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. That is the big red question out there, Ron Wolfley. What do you think? Is it? Is there still a decision to be made, or has it already been? Bully, I honestly think that it already has been made. Um, Having said that, though, what are they going to do? Are they going to actually pick at number three? Are they going to trade down? Um, You know what? Uh, Yeah, they'll get rid of the pick. They'll go to number four to the Colts, and they'll take Will Anderson. This is what I think is going to happen, Paul. I continue to say that's what I think is going to happen. Until it happens, I won't believe anything else. Hey, we found out later that the deal Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals for the Cardinals first round pick last year was a deal done early in the offseason January February between Steve Kime and Eric DaCosta of the Ravens so that's right it's possible it's plausible it is feasible and you really can't believe anything anyone says in these 32 <laughs> war rooms I mean here's my favorite of the week so far because most of the teams are doing these pre-draft press conferences Carolina's GM, Scott Fitterer, who once upon a time spent time in Seattle with John Schneider when they drafted Russell Wilson. So we got a lot of questions about Bryce Young and the size and all that. And he cited how Russell Wilson, his senior year at Wisconsin, only had three batted balls at the line of scrimmage all season. Bryce Young had two. So he doesn't make anything of the five foot ten stature I thought was interesting when you think of Kyler Murray as well. But somebody asked him if he had asked his head coach, Frank Reich, who he prefers as the number one pick overall, And Fitterer told the media with a straight face he still hasn't asked his head coach who he prefers in this draft. (laughs) But see, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about, though. That's exactly what I'm talking about right right now. See, to me, why would you ever give any aid, comfort, or shelter to anyone else? Why would a general manager ever tell anybody 
That's why when all these leaks come out, I question it immediately. I really do. Why would a general manager ever ever tell somebody something unless it was 100% false? <laughs> why would you do that? Why would you ever want anyone to know what it is that you're doing? You wouldn't. All right, so we go back to his introductory press conference, the new GM, Monty Austin Ford, and let's listen to what he told the media on just you know his main focus in team building. We're going to institute a thorough and exhaustive scouting process. We are going to turn over every stone to find the right players for this team. We are not just collecting talent. We're going to build a team. We're going to look for the right type of players. Ego will not be tolerated in this organization. We are going to look for focused driven, and people that are willing to put the team first at every step of the way. I would say when you look at the Cardinals' free agent signings, the Kaiser Whites, uh, you know, Zach Paschal, right? These these sort of guys who aren't just position players, they're ballers. They're football players. They're physical. They have that sort of attitude. I would say what Monty just explained there is introductory press conference. He has spoken to existence with a lot, if not most, of his free agent signings. Now, the challenge, right, Ron Wolfley, is to do that in the draft because these are college players yeah. who have been coached up in the interviews at the Combine, for example. They don't have a proven NFL track record like some of these free agents you signed, most of whom, by the way, Cardinals assistant coaches had already worked with at other teams, so they had that interaction and that personal knowledge of said players. So there's where the margin of error can get extreme because you're really projecting onto these college players. Yeah, no, you are, Paulie. Uh, there's no doubt. Every team, though, is made up of talent, Paul, and toughness. And that's what your team is made up, the percentage of talent you have on your team and toughness. And a lot of times there are players that combine both, Paulie. They play, they combine that talent and the toughness. And when you find guys like that, that's when you bring them into the fold. That's when you go out and you identify them as free agents. You want to bring them into your locker room, some guys that have been around, some veterans. You want to bring those guys in, and you want to draft those guys as well, guys that have that toughness, that mentality already down. But you need talent as well, Paulie. And that's always the difficulty. If you're a general manager, what percentage is is talent that's inside that locker room and what percentage is toughness in the combination thereof? And don't think the head coach doesn't value both. He knows from a firsthand experience, not only as a coach, but as a former scout. So when JG joked earlier about pestering Monty Austinfort, you know, about the pick and what he's going to do exactly, you know, they can have some pretty advanced in-depth discussions because Jonathan Gannon has been part of a personnel room back before he got into coaching full-time. And he was asked just about his confidence in Monty Austinfort's plans. You know, the conversation every day, Monty, every day uh, that we have about that um, is good. And um, he's not going to make a move without having we've talked through the pros and cons of that. But I feel very confident with a couple different plans that he's laid forth. And I'm behind him 100%. I know he's going to do whatever he can in his role to help our group win. All right, so let's hit zoom out beyond number three overall. You know, we've talked about that exhaustively, right? And we're still not exactly sure what's going to take place. When you come out of this draft, right now the Cardinals have eight picks. I fully expect them to have 
a number of more picks in this one. Whether it's a trade yeah. out of number three, whether it's a trade of D Hop, which we'll get to here shortly, whether I don't know, it's something out of left field, Isaiah Simmons is dealt before they have to pick up his fifth year contract option or at least make that decision. Whatever, I think the Cardinals end up with more than eight rookies. What position groups would you like to see them address first and foremost beyond number three overall? Oh, Paulie, for me right now, it's still the offensive and defensive line. The line of scrimmage, I've been talking about it all offseason, of course. You know that's where I think this continued rebuild needs to happen right now. On the line of scrimmage, whether you're talking about an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, this is where I think I want to see them start. How about you, Paul? What's your take on that? Well, there's no question you need defensive tackles. I mean, you just lost J.J. Watt and you lost Zach Allen. That has to be addressed. I think a top round two, that might be the option, the place where you do that. Cornerback would be great, and I think it's in your top three needs, but offensive and defensive line is first and foremost. I also believe a lot of the noise out there about Cardinals getting a receiver, at least on day two. Yeah. For example, that Kuiper and McShea combo mock draft has the Cardinals at number 66 atop the third round going for Tennessee receiver Cedric Tillman, who hasn't got a lot of run this year because he only played a handful of games. He had a high ankle sprain and it really ruined his senior season. But as a junior at Tennessee, he had a breakout year. He's 6'3", he runs a 4'5", 4'40", had 12 touchdown catches at Tennessee. His two best games, arguably, were against Bama and Georgia. So there's a lot. I can see them doing that, a bigger receiver. Yeah, Quint- Quentin Johnston out of TCU has been I, I linked to the I was just going to say yeah. that, Paul. I was just going to say Quentin Johnston out of TCU right now with the size he's got. He's 6'3", over 6'3", and a 210-pound guy. I mean, that is a big wide receiver right there, and he's got wheels, Paul. He's got some speed as well over the top, and that's one thing I think they're going to need, even with Hollywood Brown, as fast as Hollywood Brown is. We know he doesn't have a lot of verticality in terms of height, so I think that is something that could possibly be around on day two right there. I'm with you on that, Paul, but still, I want to see them focus on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, and if they happen to do that and rebuild the offense and defensive line, that's where this team needs to improve, I think, the most. And specifically, center. What are they going to do at center? Yes. Is there a veteran center that they bring in that they have their eye on? that they're going to execute after the draft. Um, oh, boy, Paulie. Like Ryan Kelly? Yeah. <laughs> like Ryan Kelly or, and the Indianapolis Colts? Okay. Or even a Ben Jones from Tennessee who was let go, and Monty Austin Ford has that sort of knowledge of him. Now, look, cornerback is really loaded in this draft. You could get a viable starting cornerback a top round three. That's from most accounts. And you know the sleeper position is still tight end to me. It's a really deep draft in tight end, and if you get more picks, I wouldn't be surprised if they went that direction. All right, if you want Cardinals season tickets, go to azcardinals.com slash tickets. We'll get in D-Hop and more draft day issues next on the Big Red Rage. In the middle of the field, that ball's incomplete. Wow! Off comes the helmet of the intended receiver as he gets crushed back there by Pat Tillman. Pat Tillman, the blade. Pass goes to Hayes, and he gets hammered again by Pat Tillman. Throws for Mickens. He makes the catch at the 30 and gets blasted by Pat Tillman out at the 31, but he gets a first down. That's what Tillman is all about. Cunningham winds up and throws it down the middle. Knocked away incomplete. At the 47-yard line, Pat Tillman knocks it away. 
Pat Tillman, talk about a guy with a lot of heart. He just challenged the Rocket, the guy, the fastest guy on the field, and Tillman came up the winner. I like that. 226th overall. That was the draft position. Pat Tillman on this day, 1998. Former seventh-round pick of the Arizona Cardinals. Ron Wolfley, it's almost a rhetorical question. Has a seventh-round NFL draft pick ever made an impact, not only on the game, but on this country, like Pat Tillman? I don't think so, Paulie. Um, What's amazing about Pat is he was never a man that was defined by his number (laughs) or numbers. Numbers cannot define Pat Tillman. Only the human spirit can actually look at Pat and understand what he was all about. Incredible. Pac-10 Defensive Player of the Year at Arizona State, as fans around here, many of them know, and he was considered a tweener, so he fell. He fell in the draft. He was a linebacker who was going to have to be converted to safety, and uh, we all know what he did to make that first team. Cardinals went to the playoffs, won their first playoff game in almost 50 years with Pat Tillman as a rookie on that team, along with Jake Plummer and company, so... You know, it's amazing. I saw another story as we say welcome back into this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Former New England decision maker Scott Pioli is on the NFL Network. He told a story recently, Wolf, when he was in a personnel office. They used to keep a framed photo on their desks of 2000 New England draft pick in the year 2000, fifth round tight end Dave Stakelski. Do you know Dave why they do you know Stikowski. Do you know why they had a framed photo of Dave Stakelski? I don't, Paulie. Because he was taken one round ahead of Tom Brady <laughs> by New England, and it was a reminder to the front office that you're not as smart as you think you are because yeah, they you, took Steve Stokelski ahead of Tom Brady. Paulie, that's one of the great things about the game of football. It, it really is. Um, you cannot measure a person's heart. You can see it on tape. You can watch it. And I think this is what is happening in the NFL now. I think you're you're starting to see it come back once again. Not so much on the, the, the numbers at the combine. Not so much the measurables. But coming back to a player on tape. Think about that. Pat Tillman, 226th overall. And when you watch Pat Tillman play the game of football, even at ASU, you watch him play, you knew there was something special in this kid. You could see it on tape. Now the emphasis is coming back to that once again, Paulie. And uh, Pat will, once again, never be defined by numbers. All right, so look, there's going to be a lot of stuff happening between now and the draft 2023, and whether that includes DeAndre Hopkins remains to be seen, but it won't be for a lack of chatter and noise out there. How about NFL insider Pac-Man Jones on the Pat McAfee show? He's had some things to say and report, and this week included, here's Pac-Man on D-Hop. Our source says have said that there's a chance D-Hop still ends up in Baltimore, right? Yeah, that's what our sources said. It's, it's a strong possibility. Oh, strong. Strong. Really? Yeah. Strong yeah. possibility. Strong possibility. Hold that's on, now that's breaking. That's yeah. an update. I'm sorry, go ahead, AJ. That's breaking news. Strong, strong possibility? possibility? Is this strong possibility mean that Lamar is probably going to be there, Pat? I can't speak on I'm just... My source says... Says... It's a strong possibility. It is a strong possibility right here. You know why I know that, Paulie? Because it's West Virginia. Okay. It's West Virginia. All right, Easy. 
Look, you know, if Pac-Man says it, it's happening. So you're telling me that Baltimore is going to go from having arguably the worst receiver room in the league to signing OBJ to $15 million guaranteed, worth up to maybe $18 million, and then meeting the price on a DeAndre Hopkins who's not going to come cheap. And those, I mean, you know they're all in for Lamar Jackson. If they end up signing those two receivers and trying to entice their quarterback into a long-term deal. No, I think you're right about that, Paulie. Um, I don't think the Baltimore Ravens are expecting Lamar Jackson to go anywhere, Paul. I mean, they have the franchise tag. They have it on them. Now, it's the non-exclusive, of course, but they've got the franchise tag. And he's going to play for the Baltimore Ravens or he's not going to get paid. He's not going to get any money. I think there's going to be some type of resolution here, and maybe they're trying to talk a little bit of sense into Lamar Jackson if they go out and do get D-Hop or promise to get D-Hop. So another NFL insider, Von Miller, he went on the Pat McAfee show this week, and he said the Bills are going to be adding another big-time weapon. Those are his words. He didn't name names there, but earlier, 48 hours earlier to the Buffalo News, he said that I talk to Hop all the time. Apparently, they work out together as well. And according to Von Miller, quote, Hop said he wanted to be a Buffalo Bill. <laughs> and I mention that because you might have seen the, uh, the Brian McFadden video podcast that Hop appeared on. And on video, without saying anything, Brian McFadden said, you know what, use facial expressions to tell us whether you'd like to play for a certain team or not. And he threw I out, saw it. He threw out four possibilities. So when he said Chiefs and Bills, D-Hop smiled and yep. nodded accordingly. And when he brought up the Jets and Patriots, it was sort of what the kids would say, meh, M-E-H. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, Paul, I saw that as well, and that was not lost on me, the fact that it was the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. Because you know what, Paul, logically – that makes the most sense. It does. You got two teams that are Super Bowl caliber, obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. You have two teams that are Super Bowl caliber, Super Bowl ready right now. And because of that, D-Hop would, would make them the favorite. If, if the Kansas City Chiefs were to sign D-Hop, they'd be the favorites once again to win the Super Bowl, Paul. If it was the other way around... You know, now all of a sudden the Bills might be the favorites to come out of the AFC and win the Super Bowl. See, and that restores my faith that the Cardinals are going to get value for DeAndre Hopkins. All these narratives out there put out by a lot of the teams maybe who are pursuing DeAndre Hopkins that he's only worth a fifth or sixth round pick. No, I think there will be two teams, especially the Chiefs and the Bills, who value a DeAndre Hopkins to the point where they're going to pay him his number or at least something reasonably close, right? and give the Cardinals significant compensation. And by the way, I'm still not ruling out the Jets going after them. They need a receiver. Patriots, I think, are truly interested. And then what about Tennessee and even the Giants? I think there, there are more than two teams who are going to seriously pursue D-Hop up until the draft. Yeah, you know, Paulie, I, I'm not saying you're wrong, but whenever you bring up the Patriots, and knowing Nuke and the fact that he does not like to practice, I, I just I will never see Bill Belichick agreeing to bring a guy onto a team that is telling him, I'm not going to practice on Wednesday. Yeah. I, I, I just don't see that under any circumstance right now. But D-Hop is going to be traded at some point in time. The ultimate pressure point of the offseason is coming up. 
in the form of the NFL Draft, and that is next week. And by the way, D-Hop, not long after that video podcast, tweeted out, and I quote, Hopkins doesn't want to raise, signed Nuke. So he went third person in his own tweet. <laughs> and then not long after that, he, he deleted the tweet. So I'm like, is that sort of the social media version of back in 1993 when Charles Barkley once claimed that he was misquoted in his own autobiography? I don't know, yes. but it was, it was hop being hop on that front. You know what, Paulie, honestly, right now, he is a game changer. He is, he is still a wide receiver one, in my opinion. Yes, I understand he's getting a little long in the tooth. I get that. But there have been many, many receivers his age that have been very, very productive in the National Football League. And DeAndre Hopkins is just one of those guys. He's got all the tools you could possibly want from a wide receiver to be a wide receiver one. Yes, he's not the fastest guy, I get that, but all he does is run by people and catch deep passes down the field that are contested. He's D-hop. He's still got a ton of value. So when Jonathan Gannon said recently in response to a reporter's question that everything is a competition, quote-unquote, the Cardinals need a competition for D-hop, multiple teams. They need a competition for that number three pick overall. And if so... Man, eight picks could grow to eight or maybe even 12 picks come the draft, and the Cardinals might truly be able to hit the reset button here in this offseason. For Ron Wolfley, on Paul Calvisi. Special thanks, as always, to Jim Almohundro and Mitch Vereldis. This has been the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Number one, Tyler Murray! You've been listening to the Big Red Rage. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.